Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, little series that I am personally doing. This is Maddie of the 666 Podcast. Um, this is a little project I will be doing. As you previously saw, I did Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, chapters 1 through 4, and I did All the Young Dudes by Miss king bean uh 87 on ao3 year one book one technically uh this is to help with my fluency and help me reading out loud i do get into some weird topics maybe at the end of some of these episodes i might delve into asmr or get very political either way it is just a time for me to just talk get things off my mind after reading some weird stories um if there's anything you want me to personally read please dm me on instagram at nct once us dead just say your name just like tell me what you want, want me to read i'll try and find it and i'll try and read it for you anyways please enjoy this episode real quick before we get into the meat of the episode which um this is for all of my eddie munson lovers out there i'm sorry oh we're reading the hobbit i'm gonna do the hobbit and then where is my piece i am currently going to school i'm gonna stop uh, like my semester ends soon so sorry for the lack of uploads i do have plans for um rest of all the young dudes year two i am like currently in the middle of like recording it so do not fret also there's construction going on in my house right now so all of my stuff is a little bit all over the place so if you can bear with me for just like a little longer so then i can finish recording that episode and then i can get into the other projects that i have been secretly doing behind the scenes um one of them rhymes with bink bart if you know that series by cornelia fungi um that's the other one i'm planning on doing i also have the whole harry potter series to read so i i i'm making sure i'm very busy but since stranger things volume four came out let me say i've not watched stranger things since season one and i'm not planning on watching it this is purely because on my for you page the amount of times i get eddie munson edits even though i don't care just to put it bluntly i don't care so i'm doing this because i got one particular audio which i will now play for you since I don't want to sing it. I've already sung it to Clexia just because. This one. The Shire is burning. So Mordor is. There will come a soldier who carries a mighty sword. He will tear your city down or lay a so this one i'm personally dedicating to all of my eddie sims out there all of my people who have been the outcasts come and join us come join 
our weird version of the Hellfire Club, I guess. Um, so with that out of the way, and you guys understanding why I am forcing you guys, well, I'm not forcing you, I am recording The Hobbit is, that, that, that was the reason. Um, also, I'm gonna go on a little tangent here. I'm notorious for this. I mean, I'm a Taurus. Anyways, uh, so, when the, the, the Hobbit movies came out, this was like 2013, 2014, 2015, those are the years when they came out, I remember so specifically because I fell in love immediately when I watched the first movie, um, one boy in my class, this was my English class, he had said, um, The Hobbit is so boring, so I went out, I bought a copy of The Hobbit just to prove a point, <laughs> and to be honest, um, oops, uh, <laughs> I got through maybe half of it, but I'm notorious for getting through half of books and then ending, so, and, and this is basically forcing me to read the whole series, and I've had this Lord of the Rings book for, like, five, six years now, and I have not read it. Anyways, so, without further ado, because I will go on so many more tangents, let's get into The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Welcome to J.R.R. Tolkien, or Tolkien's The Hobbit. Now, I had th I've had this book for a long while. Um, since when the movies came out, so it doesn't seem that long, but it's going to be almost 10 years next year, and that's really crazy to me. I sound really old. Anyways, let's get into it. <laughs> Chapter 1, An Unexpected Party. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and oozy smells, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down, sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. It had a perfectly round door like a porthole, painted green with a shiny yellow brass knob in the exact middle. The door opened on a tube-shaped hall, like a tunnel. A very comfortable tunnel without smoke, with paneled walls and floors, tiled and carpeted, provided with polished chairs, and lots and lots of pegs for hats and coats. The Hobbit was fond of visitors. The tunnel wound on and on, going fairly, going fairly, but not quite straight into the side of the hill. The hill, as the people for many miles around called it, and many little round doors opened out of it, first on one side and then on another, no going upstairs for the hobbit, bedrooms, bathrooms, cellars, pantries, lots of these, wardrobes. He had whole, uh, he had whole rooms devoted to clothes, kitchen, dining rooms, all were on the same floor, and indeed on the same passage. The best rooms were all on the left hand, left hand side, going in, for these were the only ones to have windows, deep set round windows looking over his garden and meadows beyond, sloping down to the river. 
This hobbit was a very well-to-do hobbit, and his name was Baggins. The Bagginses had lived in the neighborhood of the hill for a time out of mind, and people considered them very respectable. Not only because most of them were rich, but also because they had never had also because they never had any adventures or did anything unexpected. You could tell what a Baggins would say. On any question without the bother of asking him. This is a story of how a Baggins had an adventure and found himself doing and saying things altogether unexpected. He may have lost the neighbor's respect, but he gained. Well, you will see whether he gained anything in the end. The mother of our particular hobbit. What is a hobbit? I suppose hobbits need some description nowadays, since they have become rare and shy of the big people, as they call us. They are, or were, a little people, about half our height and smaller than the bearded dwarves. Hobbits had no beards. There is little or no magic about them, except the ordinary, everyday sort, which helps them to disappear quietly and quickly with large, stupid folk like you or me. You and me. Come, um... Oh, wait, let me... Let me already read that. And quickly, when large, stupid folk, like you and me, come blundering, blundering along, making a noise like elephants, which they can hear a mile off, they're inclined to be fat in the stomach. They dress in bright colors, chiefly green and yellow, wear no shoes because their feet grow naturally leathery soles, and thick, warm brown hair like the stuff on their heads, which is curly. Have never, have long, clever, brown fingers, good-natured faces, and laugh deep, fruity lines, especially after dinner, which they have twice a day, when they can get it. Now you know enough to go on with. As I was saying, the mother of this hobbit, of Bilbo Baggins, that is, was the famous Belladonna Took, one of the three remarkable daughters of the of the old Took, head of the hobbits who lived across the water, the small river that ran at the foot of the hill. It was often said, in other families, that long ago one of the Took ancestors must have taken a fairy wife. That was, of course, absurd, but certainly there was still something not entirely hobbit-like about them. And once in a while, members of the Took clan would go on and have adventures. They discreetly disappeared, and the family hushed it up. But the fact remained that the Tooks were not as respectable as the Bagginses, though they were undoubtedly richer. Not that Belladonna Took ever took, ever had any adventures after she became Mrs. Bungo Baggins. Bungo that was Bilbo's father, built the most luxurious hobbit hole for her, and partly with her money, that was to be found either under the hill or over the hill or across the water. And there they remained to the end of their days. Still, it is a portable... Probable? 
probable. There we go. Still, it is probable that Bilbo, her only son, although he looked and behaved exactly like a second edition of his soft and comfortable father, got something a bit queer in his makeup from the Took side. Something that only waited for the chance to come out. Okay. <laughs> I read this in like 2013. Uh, well, this is this cover is from the five armies so i'm gonna say about 2015 ish um and this book was written in 1937 if i was correct wait a moment uh the hobbit was first published in september 1937 So, just keep that in mind. Just, uh, just a little bit, okay? When we hear weird things, like, or was it? Something a bit queer in his makeup. Or, if you believe anything um, that happened between Bilbo and Thorin Oakenshield, then that queerness can mean multiple different things. Anyways, let's get back into it. Also, if it sound if I sound a little weird, um my like wisdom teeth are coming in. So it's kinda uncomfortable over on that side. So just bear with me. <laughs> uh something that only waited for a chance to come out. Well, that did help. The chance never arrived until Bilbo Baggins was grown up. Being about 50 years old or so and living in the beautiful hobbit hole built by his father, which I had just described for you, until he had, in fact, apparently settled down immovably. By some curious chance, one morning, long ago in the quiet of the world, when there was less noise and more green and the hobbits were still numerous and prosperous, and Bilbo was standing at his door after breakfast smoking an enormous, long, wooden pipe that reached nearly down to his woolly toes, neatly brushed, Gandalf came by. Gandalf! If you had only a quarter of why I've heard of him, And I have only heard very little of what there is to hear. You would be prepared for any sort of remarkable tale. Tales and adventures sprouted up all over the place wherever he went, in the most extraordinary fashion. He had not been down that way under the hill for ages and ages, not since his friend the old Took died. In fact, and the hobbits had almost forgotten, forgotten what he looked like oh my monitor just shut off <laughs> okay if you just hear me clicking in the background just ignore okay okay we are good and the uh <laughs> and he had been away over the hill and across the water on business of his own since they were all 
small hobbit boys and girls. All that, all the uh, that the unspecting Bilbo, Jesus Christ! I don't understand why it's so difficult for me to produce words correctly. All that the unsuspecting Bilbo saw that morning was an old man with a staff. He had a tall, pointed blue hat, a long gray cloak, a silver scarf over which his long white beard hung down below his waist, and immense black boots. Good morning, said Bilbo, and he meant it. The sun was shining, the grass was very and the grass was very green. But Gandalf looked at him from under his long, bushy eyebrows that stuck out further than the brim of his shady hat. What do you mean? he said. Do you wish do you wish me a good morning, or mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Or that you feel good on this feel good this morning, or that is a good morning or that is a morning to be good on. All of them at once said Bilbo, and a very fine morning for a pipe of tobacco out of doors into the bargain. Jesus Christ. If you have a pipe, uh, if you have a pipe about you, sit down and have a fill of mine. There's no hurry. We have all the day before us. Then Bilbo sat down on the seat by his door, crossed his leg and legs and blew out a beautiful gray ring of smoke that sailed into the air without breaking and floated way over the hill. Very pretty, said Gandalf. I don't know why I'm putting on accents. Very pretty, said Gandalf. 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 <laughs> but I have no time to blow smoke rings this morning. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure that I am arranging. And it's very difficult to find anyone. I should think so, in these parts. We are plain, quiet folk, and have no use for adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things make you late for dinner. I can't think what anybody sees in them, said our Mr. Baggins, and stuck one thumb into his braces and blew out another, even bigger, smoke ring. Then he took out his morning letters and began to read, pretending to take no more notice of the old man. He had decided that he was not quite his sort and wanted him to go away, but the old man did not move. He stood, leaning on his stick and gazing at the hobbit, at the hobbit without saying anything, till Bilbo got quite uncomfortable and even a little cross. "'Good morning,' he said at last. "'We don't want any adventures here.' Thank you. You might try over the hill or across the water. By this he, by this he meant the, that the conversation was at end. What a lot of things you. What a lot of things you do use good morning for," said Gandalf. Now you mean that you want rid of me, and that it won't be good till I move off. Not at all, sir. Not oh, not at all. Not at all, my dear sir. Let me see. I don't think I know your name. Yes, yes, my dear sir, and I do know your name, Mr. Bilbo Baggins, and you do know my name, though you don't remember that I belong to it. I am Gandalf, and Gandalf means me. To think that I should have lived to be a good, 
to be Good Morning by Belladonna Took's son, and it, as if I was selling buttons by the door, at the door. Gandalf, Gandalf, good gracious me! Not the wandering wizard that gave old Took a pair of magic diamond studs that fastened themselves and never came undone until ordered. Not the fellow who used to tell such wonderful tales at parties about dragons and goblins and giants and the rescue of princesses and the unexpected luck of widows' sons. Not the man I used to make such a pre- wait. Not the man. They used to make such particularly excellent fireworks. I remember those. Old Tuke used uh, to have them on Midsummer's Eve. Splendid! They used to go up like the like great lilies and snapdragons and labyrinths? labyrinths of fire and hang in the twilight all evening. You will notice already that Mr. Baggins was quite so was not quite so prosy as he liked to believe. Also that he was very fond of flowers. Dear me, he went on, not the Gandalf who was responsible for so many quiet lads and lasses going off to, into the blue for mad adventures. Anything from climbing trees to visiting elves or sailing in ships, sailing to other shores. Bless me, life used to be quiet into... I mean, you used to think <laughs> upset. <laughs> I mean, you used to upset things badly in these parts once upon a time. I beg your pardon, but I had no idea you were still in business. Where else should I be? said the wizard. All the time I am pleased to find you remember something about me. You seem to remember my fireworks kindly, at any rate, and that... It is not without hope, indeed, for your old grandfather Took's sake, and for the sake of poor Belladonna. I will give you what you asked for. I beg your pardon? I haven't asked for anything. Yes, you have. Twice now. My pardon. I give it to you. In fact, I will go so far to send you on this adventure. Very amusing for me. Very good for you. And profitable, too. Very likely, if you ever get over it. Sorry, I don't want any adventures. Thank you. Not today. Good morning. But please, come to tea any time you like. Why not tomorrow? Come tomorrow. Goodbye. <laughs> with, <laughs> with that, the hobbit turned and scuttled inside his round green door and shut it as quickly as he dared, and not to seem rude. Wizards, after all, are wizards. What on earth did I ask him to tea for? He said to himself as he went to the pantry. He had already uh, just had breakfast, but he thought a cake or two and a drink of something would do him good after his fright. Gandalf, in the meantime, was still standing outside the door and laughing long, and laughing long but quietly. After a while, he stepped up. <laughs> okay. And with the spike of his staff, scratched a queer sign <laughs> on the hobbit's beautiful green front door. I know. Okay. 
queer meant like happy at that time and in modern times it can mean anything actually like you're either queer like queer you're happy queer you're gay so i'm just imagining it's just a very happy gay sign Sorry. <laughs> you just got like, what is that? A uh, few seconds of just pure silence. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Anyways, where were we? Um, uh, yeah. Then he strode away, just about the time when Bilbo was finishing his second cake and beginning to think that he had escaped, v- he had escaped ven- adventures very well. The next day, he had almost forgotten about Gandalf. He did not remember things very well unless he put them down on his engagement table, like this. Gandalf, tea, Wednesday. Yesterday, he had been too flustered to do anything of the kind. Just before tea time, there was a tremendous ring on the front door bell. And then he remembered. He rushed and put on the kettle and put out another cup and saucer, and just an extra cake or two, and ran to the door. I'm so sorry to keep you waiting, he was going to say, when he saw that it was not Gandalf at all. It was a dwarf, with a blue beard, tucked into a golden belt, and very bright eyes under his dark green hood. As soon as the door was opened, he pushed it inside, just as if he had been expected. He hung his hooded hooded cloak on the nearest peg and thwallin at your service he said with a low blow bilbo baggins at yours said the hobbit too surprised to ask any questions for the moment when the silence that followed uh when the silence that followed had become uncomfortable he added i'm just about to take tea Pray come and have some with me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I didn't... Oh, well, okay. Maybe we'll only get through one chapter tonight. I was planning on doing two. Oh, shoot. Um, okay. There is songs in this. Some of the songs I do know because they were in the movie. Mm, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, a little stiff, perhaps, but he meant it kindly. And what would you do if an uninvited dwarf came and hung his things up, up in your hall without a word of explanation? They had not been at... Uh, at they had not been at the table long, in fact. They had hardly reached the third cake when there came another even louder ring on the bell. At the bell. Excuse me, said the hobbit, and off he went to the door. So you've gotten here at last. That was what he was going to say to Gandalf this time. But it was not Gandalf. Instead, there was a very old-looking dwarf on the step with a white beard and scarlet hood. And he, too, hopped inside as soon as the door was open. 
just as if he had been invited already. I see they have begun to arrive already, he said, when he caught sight of Dwalin's green hood hanging up. He hung his red one next to it, and Balin, at your service, he said with his hand on his breast. Thank you, said Bilbo with a gasp. It was not the correct thing to say, but they have begun to arrive, and but they had begun to arrive, had flustered him badly. He liked visitors, but he liked to know them before they arrived, and he preferred to ask them himself. He had a horrible thought about the cakes might run short, and then he, as the host, he knew his duty and stuck to it, however, however painfully, he might have to go without. Come along, uh, Come along in and have some tea, he managed to say after taking a deep breath. A little beer would suit me better, if it is all the same to you, my good sir, said Balin with his white beard. But I don't mind some cake, seed cake, if you have any. Lots. Bilbo found himself answering to his own surprise, and he found himself scuttling off too to the cellar to fill a pint beer mug, and then to a pantry to fetch two beautiful round sea cakes which he had baked that afternoon for his after supper, supper morsel when he got back to Balin and Dwalin they were talking uh, when he got back Balin and Dwalin were talking at the table like old friends as a matter of fact they were brothers Bilbo plumped down the beer and the cake in front of them. When loud came a ring, ring at the bell again, and then another ring. Gandalf, certain, for certain this time, he thought as he puffed along the passage. But it was not. It was two more dwarves, with blue hoods, silver belts, and yellow beards. And each of them carried a bag of tools and a spade. In they hopped as soon as the door began to open. Bilbo was hardly surprised at all. What can I do for you? My dwarves, he said. Killy, at your service, said the one. And Philly, added the other. And they both swept off the blue hoods and bowed. At yours and your family's, replied Bilbo, remembering his... What the fuck? <laughs> remembering his manners this time. Dwalin and Balin are here already, I see said Keeley. Let us join the throng. Throng? thought Mr. Baggins. I don't like the sound of that. I really must sit down for a minute and collect my wits and have a drink. He had only had a sip in the corner while the four dwarves sat around the table and talked about mines and golds and trouble with goblins and the Uh, I'm an idiot. So, we're gonna pull up something really fun. Uh, we're gonna pull up Google. D P D E P. Where was the fucking word? <laughs> I know this is like way too much to actually pre D A T I O N. 
depredation. <laughs> uh, one second. of dragons, and lots of other things, which he did not understand, and did not want to, for they sounded much too adventurous, when ding-dong, <laughs> his bell rang again, as if some naughty little hobbit boy was trying to pull the handle off. Someone at the door, he said, blinking. Some fool, I should say, by the sound, said Philly. Besides, we saw them coming along behind us in the distance. The poor little hobbit sat down in the in the hall and put his head in his hands and wondered what happened, and what he was, and what was going to happen, and whether they would all stay for sup to supper. When the bell rang again, louder than ever, and he had run to the door, it was not four after all; it was five. Another dwarf had come along while he was wandering in the hall. He had hardly turned the knob before they were all inside bowing and saying, At your service, one after another. Dory, Nori, Ori, Oin, and Gloin were their names. And very soon, two purple hoods, a gray hood, and a, a brown hood, and a white hood were hanging on the pegs. And off they marched with their broad hands broad hands stuck to their gold and silver belts to join the others. Already it had also almost become a throng. Someone called for ale and some called for porter and one for coffee and all of them for cakes. So the hobbit was kept very busy for a while. A bug jug of coffee had just been set in the hearth. The seed cakes were gone and the dwarves were starting on a round of buttered scones. When there came a loud knock, not a ring, but a hard rat-tat on the hobbit's beautiful green door. Somebody was banging with a stick. Bilbo rushed along the pa passage, very angry and altogether bewildered and bewithered. This was the most awkward Wednesday he ever remembered. He pulled open the door with a jerk, and they all fell in, fell in one on top of the other. More dwarves, four more. And there was Gandalf behind, leaning on his staff and laughing. He had also made quite a dent on the beautiful door. He had also, by the way, by the way, knocked out the secret mark that he had put there the morning before. Carefully, carefully, he said. It's not like you, Bilbo, to keep friends waiting on the mat. And then open the door like a pop gun. Let me introduce Biffer Buffer Bumber and especially Thorin. At your service, said Biffer Bomber, Biffer Buffer and Bomber, standing in a row. Then they hung up two yellow hoods and a pale green one, and also a sky blue one with a long silver tassel. This last belonged to Thorin, an enormously important dwarf, in fact, no other than the great Thorin Oakenshield himself, who was not at all pleased at falling flat on Bilbo's mat with Biffer Buffer and Bomber on top of him. For one thing, Bumber was enormously fat and heavy. Thorin, indeed, was very ha haughty. Haughty. Eh, okay. And said nothing about service. But poor Mr. Baggins said he was sorry so many times that at last he grunted, Pay, 
but pray don't mention it, and stopped frowning. Now we're all here, said Gandalf, looking at the row of the thirteen hoods, the best detachable party hoods, and his own hat hanging on the pegs. Quite a merry gathering, I hope. There is something left for the latecomers to eat and drink. What's that? Tea? No, thank you. A little red wine, I think, for me. And for me, said Thorin. And raspberry jam and apple tart, said Buffer. And mince pies and cheese, said Buffer. And pork pie and salad, said Boomer. And more cakes and ale and coffee, if you don't mind, called the other dwarves through the door. Put on a few eggs, there's a good fellow. Gandalf called after him as the hobbit stumped off to the pantries. And just bring out the cold chicken and pickles. Seems to know as much about the inside of my... Larders, as I do myself, thought back Mr. Baggins, who was feeling positively flummoxed, and was beginning to wonder whether a most wretched adventure had not come right into his house by the time he had gone he uh, by the time he had got all the bottles and dishes and knives and forks and glasses and plates and spoons and things piled up on big trays, he was getting very hot and red in the face and annoyed. Confusticate and be bother these dwarves, he said aloud. Why don't they come and lend a hand? Lo and behold, there stood Balin and Dwalin at the door of the kitchen, and Philly and Killy behind them, and before he could say knife, they had whisked the tray they had whisked the trays and a couple of small tables into the parlour and set out everything afresh. Gandalf sat at the head of the party with the thirteen dwarves all around, and Bilbo sat on the stool at the fireplace, nibbling a biscuit. His appetite was quite taken away, and trying to look as if this was all perfectly ordinary, and not, uh, and not in the least an adventure. The dwarves ate and ate, and talked and talked, and time got on. At last, they pushed their chairs back, and Bilbo made a move to collect the plates and glasses. I suppose you will stay for supper, he said in his politest, unpressing tones. Of course, said Thorin, and after, we shan't get through the business till late, and we must have some music first. Now clear up. Now to clear up. Thereupon, the twelve doors, dwarves, not Thorin, he was too important, and stay talking to Gandalf, jumped to their feet and made tall piles of all the things. Off they went, not, one, uh, not waiting for trays, balancing columns of plates, each with a bottle on top with one hand, while the hobbit ran after them, almost squeaking with fright. Please be careful, and please don't tr trouble, I can manage, but the dwarves only started to sing. Tip the glass, <laughs> the plates... Blunt the knives and bend for forks. That's what <laughs> that's what Bilbo Baggin hates. Oh my god, I can't do this. <laughs> Smash the bottles and burn the corks. Cut the cloth and tread on the flat <laughs> fat. Pour the milk on the pantry floor. Leave the bones on the pantry mat. Splash the wine on every door. Dump the corks in the boiling bowl. Pound them up with a thumping pole. <laughs> when you've finished, if, if any are whole, send them down the hall to roll. That's what Bilbo Baggins ha hates so carefully, carefully with the plates. 
Yes, that part's in the movie. That's the only reason why I know it. And of course, they did none of these dreadful things, and everything was cleaned up and put away safe as quick as lightning. While the hobbit was turning round and round in the middle of the kitchen trying to see what they were doing, then they went back and found Thorin on his feet on the fender smoking a pipe. He was blowing the most enormous smoke rings, and whenever he told one to go, it went up the chimney or behind the clock on the mantelpiece or under the table or round and round the ceiling. But whenever it went, wherever it went, it was not quick enough to escape Gandalf. Pop! He sent a smaller smoke ring from his short clay pipe straight through each one of Thorin's. Then Gandalf's smoke ring would go green and come back to hover over the wizard's head. He had a cloud of them about him already. And in the dim light, it made him look strange and sorcerous. Bilbo stood still and watched. He loved smoke rings. And then he blushed to think how proud he had been yesterday morning of the smoke rings he had sent up the wind over the hill. Now, for some music, said Thorin, bring out the instruments. Philly and Killy rushed for their bags and brought back little fiddles. Dory, Nori, and Ori brought out flutes from somewhere inside their coaxes. Bomber produced a drum from the hall. Biffer and Buffer went out too and came back with clarinets that they had left among the walking sticks. Dwallin and Ballin said, Excuse me, I left mine in the in the porch just bring mine in with you said thorn they came back with vials i think violas veals as big as as themselves and with thorn's harp wrapped in a green cloth it was a beautiful golden harp and when thorn struck it the music began all at once, so sudden and sweet that Bilbo forgot everything else and was swept away into the dark lands under strange moons far over the water and very far from his hobbit hole under the hill. The dark came into the room from the little window that opened in the side of the hill. The fire fl- firelight flickered. It was April, and they still played on while the shadow of Gandalf's beard wagged against the wall. The dark filled the room, and the fire died down, and the shadows were lost, and still they played on, and suddenly first and suddenly first one and then another and another began to sing as they played, deep throated deep throated singing of the dwarves in the deep places of their ancient homes, and this is like a fragment of their song, but it can be like their song without music. Now as I sit here, I'm contemplating whether to actually sing these songs because I do know the tune because I watch those movies religiously. So I'm wondering, should I? Why not? Um, this is your moment to like skip ahead 30 a uh, few seconds. Maybe like 10 or so or listen and just take your headphones out i don't know 
<clears throat> oh my god, I'm I'm proper embarrassed now. fell like ringing bells in places deep where dark things sleep in hollowed halls beneath the fells for ancient king and elvish lord there many a gleaming golden hoard they shaped and wrought in light they caught to hide in gems on hilt of sword on silver necklaces they strung the flowering stars on crowns they hung the dragon fired in twisted wire they mesh the light of moon and sun. Far over the... M oh, here we go. Far over the misty mountains cold To dungeons deep and caverns old We must away ere break of day To claim um i lied i don't remember the tune goblets they carved there for themselves and harps of gold where no man dwells there lay there lay they long and many a song was sung unheard by men or elves the pines were roaring <laughs> on the heat. Oh my god. The winds were moaning in the night. The fire was red with flaming spread. The trees like torches blazed with light the bells were ringing in the dale and men looked up with faces pale the dragon's ire more fierce than fire laid low their towers and houses frail the mountain smoked beneath the moon the dwarves they heard the tramp of doom they fled their hall to dying fall beneath his feet oh beneath the moon to oh far over, yeah we're gonna do this each time that we hear this part far over the misty mountains grim to dungeons deep and caverns dim we must away ere break of day to win our hearts and gold from him I think we can actually hear the song 
actually understand what I'm trying to do. Uh, this one's from the movie. Okay, uh, maybe I have an ad. I do have an ad. Just kidding. I lied to you. Ahaha. Okay, wait. Here we go. This is my favorite part of the movie, by the way. Yeah, so obviously, if we look in the book, they have like instruments, and it seems a little bit more upbeat, but um, I like the way the movie did it, because the, the movie, this song takes place after they have talked, like already talked about um, what the adventure is going on. I am going to tell you the plot of the movie at this point now. I already talked about the adventures that are going on, and... Uh, they start talking about the dwarves of the Iron Hills um, and how they will not help our band of misfits. Um, so, yes, I'm so sorry that you had to actually hear me say that. I was a soprano, and I wasn't a very good soprano, so, like, you know. Anyways, as they sang, the Hobbit felt the love of beautiful things made by hands and by cunning and by magic moving through him a fierce and a jealous love the desire of the hearts of the dwarves then something tookish woke up inside of him and he wished to go see go and see the great mountains and hear the pine trees and the waterfalls and explore the caves and wear a sword instead of a walking stick he looked out of the window the stars were out in a dark sky above the trees he thought of the jewels of the dwarves shining in dark caverns. Suddenly, in the wood beyond the water, a flame leapt up, probably some th somebody lighting a fire, wood fire, and he thought of plundering dragons settling on his quiet hill and kindling it all to the f all to flames. He shuddered, and very quickly he was plain Mister Baggins of Bag End Underhill again. He got up, trembling. He had less than half a mind to fetch the lamp and more than half a mind to pretend to and go and hide behind the beer, beer barrels in the cellar. 
and not come out again until all the dwarfs had gone away. Suddenly, he found that the music they were singing had stopped, and they were all looking at him, eyes shining in the dark. Where are you going? said Thorin, in a tone that seemed to show that he had guessed both halves of the hobbit's mind. What about a little light? said Bilbo apologetically. We like the dwarf. We like the dwarves," said the dwarves. "We like the dark," said all the dwarves. "Dark for dark business. There are many hours before dawn." "Of course," said Bilbo, and sat down in a hurry. He missed the stool and sat on the fender, knocking over the poker and shovel with a crash. "Hush," said Gandalf. "Let Thorin speak." And this is how Thorin began. Gandalf, dwarves, and Mister Baggins, we are met together in the house of our friend and fellow conspirator. This most excellent and audacious hobbit, may the hair on his toes never fall out. All praise to his wine and ale. He paused for a breath and a for a polite. He paused for a polite remark. From the Hobbit, but the compliments were quite lost on poor Bilbo Baggins, who was wagging his mouth in protest at being called audacious and worst of all fellow conspirator. Though no noise came out, he was so flummoxed. He was so flummoxed. So Thorin went on. We are met to discuss our plans, our ways, means, policies, and devices. We shall soon, before the break of day, start on. On our long journey, a journey from which some of us, or perhaps all of us, except for our friend and counselor, the ingenious wizard Gandalf, may never return. It is a solemn moment. Our object is, I take it, well known to us all, to the estimable, maybe, Mister Baggins, and perhaps to one or two of the younger dwarves. I think I should be right in naming Philly Killy, for instance. The exact situation at the moment may require a brief little explanation. Uh, require a little brief explanation. This was Thorin's style. He was an important dwarf. If he had been allowed, he would probably have. Um, one second. Sorry about that. Um, where am I? Um, this was Thorin's style. He was an important dwarf. He had, if he had been allowed, he would probably have gone like that. Like this until he was out of breath, without telling anyone any anyone there anything that was not known already. But he was rudely interrupted. Poor Bilbo couldn't bear it any longer. At may never return, he began began to feel a shriek coming up inside him, and very soon it burst out like the whistle of an engine coming out of a tunnel. All the dwarves sprung up, knocking over the table. Gandalf struck a blue light on the end of his magic staff, and in its firework glare, the poor little hobbit could be seen kneeling on the hearth rug, shaking like a jelly that was melting.
Then he fell flat on the floor and kept on calling out, Struck by lightning! Struck by lightning! Over and over again. And that was all they could get out of him for a long time. So they took him and laid him out all, out of the way on the drawing room sofa with a drink at his elbow. And they went back to their dark business. Excitable little fellows, said Gandalf as they sat down. Again, gets funny queer fits, but he is one of the best, one of the best, as fierce as a dragon in a pinch. If you have ever seen a dragon in a pinch, you will realize that this was only po- was only poetical exaggeration applied to any hobbit, even to old Took, Took's great-grand-uncle Bullroarer. <laughs> who was huge for a hobbit, um, who was so huge for a hobbit that he could ride a horse. He charged the, f- he charged the ranks of the field of Mount Graham in the Battle of Greenfields and knocked over the King Golf, Golfimable? Okay, some of these names I'm going to have a lot of trouble pronouncing. I'm so sorry head clean off with a wooden club it sailed a hundred yards through the air and went down a rabbit hole and in this way the battle was won and the game of golf invented at the same moment who texted me anyways at the same moment in the meanwhile however bull roarers gentler descendant was receiving was reviving good god (laughs) in the drawing room after a while and a drink he crept nervously to the door of the parlor this this is what he heard Gloin speaking humph or some snort more or less like that will he do do you think it is all very well for Gandalf to talk about this hobbit being fierce, but one shriek like that in a moment of excitement would be enough to wake the dragon and all of his and all his relatives and kill the lot of us. I think it sounded more like a fright than more like fright than excitement. In fact, if it had not been for the sign on the door, I should have been sure we had come to the wrong house. As soon as I clapped eyes on the little fo- fellow bobbing and puffing on the mat i had my doubts he looks more like a grocer than a burglar then mr baggins turned the handle and went in the took side had won he suddenly felt he would go without bed and breakfast to be wait to be thought fierce as for little fellow bobbing on the mat it made him feel really fierce many a time afterward afterwards the baggins part regretted what he did what he did now and he said to himself bilbo you were a fool you walked right in and put your foot in in it pardon me he said if i have overheard words if i have overheard words that you were saying i don't pretend to understand that you were talking about or your references to burglars but I think I might be in believing. This is what he called 
being on his dignity. That you think I am no good, I will show you. I have no signs on my door. It was painted a week ago, and I am quite sure you have come to the wrong house. As soon as I saw your funny faces on the doorstep, I had my doubts. But treat it, but treat it as the right one. Tell me, oh, what you want done, and I will try it. If I have to walk from here to the east of east and fight the wild wereworms in the last desert. I had a great, great, great grand uncle once. Bull Roar took, and yes, yes, that was long, but that was long ago, said Gloin. I was talking about you, and I assure you there is a mark on this door. The usual one in the trade, or used to be. Burglar wants a good job, plenty of excitement, and reasonable reward. That's how it is usually read. You can say expert treasure hunter instead of burglar if you like. Some of them do. It's all the same to us. Gandalf told us there was a man of the sort in these parts looking for a job at once, and that he had arranged for a meeting here this Saturday, tea time. Of course there is a mark, said Gandalf. I put it there myself, for very good reasons. You asked me to find the fourteenth member, fourteenth man for your expedition, and I chose Mr. Baggins. Just let any one say I chose the wrong man or the wrong house, and you can stop at thirteen and have all the bad luck you like, or go back to digging coal. He scowled so angrily at Gloin that the dwarf huddled back in his chair, and when Bilbo tried to open his mouth to ask a question, he turned and frowned at him, and stuck out his bushy eyebrows, till Bilbo shut his mouth tight with a snap. That's right, said Gandalf. Let's have no more argument. I have chosen Mr. Baggins, and that ought to be enough for all of you. If I say he is a burglar, a burglar he is, or will be when the time comes. There is a lot more in him than you guess, and deal more than he has any idea of his himself. You may possibly all live to thank me yet. Now, Bilbo, my boy, fetch that, fetch the lamp, and let's have a little light on this. On the table, on the table, in the light of a big lamp with a red shade, he spread a piece of parchment, rather like a map. This was made by Thor. Your grandfather, Thorin. Good lord. Okay. I don't understand. Well, this chapter is, like, going to be over an hour long. <laughs> so, it's going to be fun. Um, he said, in answer to the dwarves' excited question, It is a plant. It is a plan of the mountain. I don't see that this will be this will help us much, said Thorin disappointedly after a glance. I remember the mountain well enough and the lands about it, and I know where Mirkwood is and the withered heath where the great dragons breed. There is a dragon marked in red on the mountain, said Balin. Balin. I don't know why I said it like that. But it will be easy enough to find him without that if we ever arrive there there is one point that you haven't noticed said 
the wizard, and that is the secret entrance. You see that rune on you see that rune on runes? That marks a hidden passage to the lower halls. It may um look at the map in this chapter and you will see there the runes in red. It's not cuz I'll explain after. Anyways. It may have been uh it may have been a secret one, said Thorim. But how do we know that it is that it is secret any longer? Old Smaug has lived there long enough now to find out anything there is to know about those caves. He may, but he can't have used it for years and years. Why? Because it is too small. Five feet high. The door Five feet height the door, and three may walk abreast, say the runes, but Smaug cannot creep into a hole that size, not even when he was a young dragon, certainly not after devouring so many men, so many of the dwarves and men of Dale. It seems a great big hole to me, squeaked Bilbo, who had no experience of dragons and only of hobbit holes. He was getting excited and interested again, so he forgot to keep his mouth shut. He loved maps, and in his hall, there hung a large one of the country round, with his, with all his favorite walks marked on in red ink. How could such a large door be kept secret from everyone outside apart from the dragon, he asked. He was only a little hobbit, you must remember. In a lot of ways, said Gandalf, but in what, in what way this one was been has been hidden we don't know without going to see from what it says on the map i should guess there is a closed door which has been made to look exactly like the side of the mountain that is the usual dwarves method i think that is right isn't it quite right said thorin also went on gandalf i forgot to mention that with the map went a key a small and curious key here small and curious key here it is he said and handed it to and handed to thorin a key with a long barrel and intricate wards made of silver oh my god <laughs> keep it safe indeed i will said thorin as he fastened it upon a fine chain that hung about his neck and under his jacket now things begin to look f more hopeful this news alters them much, them much for the better. So far, we have, we have had no clear idea what to do. We thought of going east, as quiet and careful as we could, as far as the long lake, after the trouble would begin. A long time before that, if I know anything about the roads east, interrupted Gandalf. We might go from there up along the river running went on Thorin, talking, no, taking no notice. And so to the ruins of Dale, the old town in the valley there, under the shadow of the mountain. But we, not, but we none of us liked the idea of the front gate. The river runs right out of it through the great cliff at the south of the mountain. And out it comes the dragon. 
far too often, unless he has changed his habits. That would be no good, said the wizard, not without a mighty warrior, even a hero. I tried to find one, but warriors are busy fighting one another in distant lands, and in this neighborhood heroes are scarce, or simply not to be found. Swords in these parts are mostly blunt, and axes are used for trees, and shield as cradles or dish covers, and dragons are comfortably far off and therefore legendary. That is why I settled on burglary, especially when I remembered the existence of a side door. And here is our little Bilbo Baggins, the burglar. The chosen and selected burglar. So now, so now let's get on and make the uh, make some plans. Very well then, said Thorin. Supposing the burglar expert gives us some ideas or suggestions, he turned with mock politeness to Bilbo. First, I would like to know a bit more about things," said he. Did I skip a page? Okay. Feeling all confused and a bit shaky inside, but so far still tookishly determined to go on with things. I mean, about the gold and the dragon and all that and how it got there and who it belongs to and so on and further. Bless me, said Thorin. Haven't you got a map? And didn't you hear our song? And haven't we been talking about all this for hours? All the same, I should like it all plain and clear, said he, obstinately, putting on his business matter, usually reserved for people who tried to borrow money off of him, and doing his best to appear wise and prudent and professional and live up to Gandalf's recommendation. Also, I should like to know about risks, out-of-pocket expenses, time required, and remuneration, and so forth, by which he mean... What am I going to get out of all of it, and am I going to come back alive? Oh, very well, said Thorin. Long ago, in my grandfather Thor's time, our family was driven out of the far north and came back with all their wealth and their tools to this mountain on the map. It had been discovered by my far ancestor Thrain the Old, but now they mined and they tunneled, and they made huger halls and greater workshops. And in, in addition, I believe, they found an, uh, an in, mm, <laughs> and in addition, I believe, they found a good deal of gold and great many jewels, too. Anyway, they knew... Oh, they grew immensely rich and famous, and my grandfather was king under the mountain again, and treated with great reverence by the mortal men who lived to the south, and were gradually spe spreading up the running river as far as the valley overshadowed by the mountain. They built the merry town of Dale. There in those days, kings used to be sent for used to send for our smiths, and reward even the least skillful most richly. Fathers would beg us to take their sons as apprentice apprentices and pay us handsomely, especially in food supplies, which we never bothered to grow or find for ourselves, although those were good days for us. 
and the poorest of us had money to spend and to lend, and leisure to make beautiful things just for the fun of it, not to speak of the most marvelous and magical toys, the like of which is not to be found in the world nowadays. So my grandfather's halls became full of armor and jewels and carvings and cups, and the mar toy market of Dale. What, oh, and the toy market of Dale was the wonder of the North. Undoubtedly, that was what brought the dragon. Dragons steal gold and jewels, you know, from men and elves and dwarves, wherever they can find them. And they guard their plunder as long as they live, which is practically forever unless they are killed. And never enjoy a brass ring of it. Indeed, they hardly know a good bit of work from a bad though they usually have a good notion of the current market value, and they can't make a thing for themselves, not even, not even mend a little loose scale of their armor. Okay. Uh, there were lots of dragons in the north in those days, and gold was probably getting scarce up there, with the dwarves flying south or getting killed, and all the general waste and destruction that dragons make going from bad to worse. There was a most especially greedy, strong, and wicked worm called Smaug. One day he flew up into the air and came south. The first... The first we heard of it, it was like a hurricane coming from the north, and the pine trees on the mountain creaking and cracking in the wind. Some of the dwarves who happened to be outside, I was one, luckily, a fine adventurous lad in those days, always wandering about, and it saved my life that day. Well, from a good day off, we saw the dragon settle on our mountain in a spout of flame. Then he came down the slopes, and when he reached the woods, they all went up in fire. By that time, all the bells were ringing in Dale, and the warriors were arming. The dwarves rushing out of their great gate, but there was the dragon waiting for them. None, none escaped that way. The river rushed up, the, up in stream, up in steam, and a fog fell on da Dale. And in the fog, the dragon came, came on them, and destroyed most of the warriors. The usually unhappy story. The usual unhappy story. It was only too common in those days. Then he went back and crept in through the front gate and routed out all the halls and lanes and tunnels, alleys, cellars, mansions, and passages. After that, there were no dwarves left alive inside, and he took all their wealth for himself. Probably that is what is the dragon's way. Okay. Now we're almost done with this chapter. This chapter's been a pain in my ass. Anyway. <laughs> Dragon way. 
he was pile. <laughs> the dragon way. He has piled it all up in the great in a great heap far inside and sleeps on it for a bed. Later he used to crawl out of the great gate and come by night to Dale and carry away people, especially maidens, to eat. Until Dale was ruined, and all the people dead or gone. What goes on there now I don't know for certain, but I don't suppose anyone lives nearer to the mountain than the far edge of the long lake nowadays. The few of us that were well outside sat and wept in hiding and cursed Smaug, and there were, and there we were unexpectedly, unexpectedly joined by my father and my grandfather with singed beards. They looked very grim, but they said very little. When I asked how they got away, they told me to hold my tongue and said that one day in the proper time I should know. After that, we went away, and we have had to earn our livings as best we could, uh, could up and down the lands, often enough sinking as low as blacksmith work or even coal mining. But we have never forgotten our stolen treasure, and even now, when I will allow, when I will allow we have a good bit laid by and are not so badly off, Okay, I'm going to read this sentence again. <laughs> and even now, when I will allow, we have a good bit laid by and not, and are not so badly off. Here Thor Thorin stroked the gold chain around his neck. He, We still mean it. We still mean to get it back and to bring our curses home to Smaug if we can. I have often wondered about my father's and grandfather's escape. I see now they must have had a private side door, which only they knew about, but apparently they made a map, and I should like to know how Gandalf got a hold of it, and why it had not come down to me, the rightful heir. I did not get a hold of it. I was given it, said the wizard. Your thor your thorn <laughs> your grandfather thror was killed you remember in the mines of moria by azog the goblin curse his name yes said thorn and Thrain, your father, went away on the 21st of April, a hundred years ago, last Thursday, and has never been seen by you since. True, truth. <laughs> true, true, said Thorin. Well, your father gave me this to give to you, and if I have chosen my time, and if I had chosen my own time and way for handing it over, you can hardly blame me, considering the trouble I had to find you. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Okay. Do you want to say hi? Those were inspiring words from my cat, Luna.
want to jump up here? You're going to stay there? Your father could not remember his own name when he gave me the paper, and he never told me yours. So on the whole, I thought I ought to be praised and thanked. Here it is, said he, handing the map to Thorin. I don't understand, said Thorin, and Bilbo felt he would have liked to say the same. The explanation did not seem to explain. Your grandfather, said the wizard slowly and grimly, gave me the map to gave the map to his son for safety before he went to the mines of Moria. Your father went away to try his luck with the map after your grandfather was killed, and lots of adventures of a most unpleasant sort he had, but he never got near the mountain. How he got there I don't know, but I found him a prisoner in the dungeons of the necromancer. Whatever were you doing there? asked Thorin with a shudder, and all the duck Doves, dwarves shivered. Never you mind. I was finding things out, as usual, and a nasty, dangerous business it was. Even I, Gandalf, only just escaped. I tried to save your father, but it was too late. He was witless and wandering, and had forgotten almost everything except the map and the key. We have long ago paid the goblins of Moria, said Thorin. We must give a thought to the necromancer. Don't be absurd. He is an empty enemy, far beyond the powers of all the dwarves put together. If they could all be collected again from the four corners of the world. The one thing your father wished was for his son to read the map and use the key. The dragon and the mountain are more than big enough tasks for you. Hear, hear, said Bilbo, and accidentally said it aloud. aloud. Hear what? They all said, turning suddenly towards him. And he was so flustered that he answered, Hear what I have, I have got to say. What's that? they asked. Well, I should say that you ought to go east and have a look around. After all, there is the side door, and dragons must sleep sometimes, I suppose, if you sit on the doorstep long enough. I dare say you th will think of something. And, well, don't don't you know? I think we have talk talked long enough for one night, if you see what I mean. What about a bed and an early start and all of that? I will give you a good breakfast before you go. Before we go, I suppose you mean, said Thorin. Aren't you a burglar? And isn't sitting on the doorstep your job, not to speak of getting inside the door? But I agree about bed and breakfast. I like six eggs with my ham when starting on a journey, fried, not poached. And mind you, don't break them. After all... After all, the others had ordered the breakfast without so much as a please, which annoyed Bilbo very much. They all got up. The hobbits had to find find room for them all, and filled all his spare rooms and made beds on chairs and sofas before he got all got them all stowed, and went to his own little bed. 
very tired and not altogether happy. One thing he did make his mind up about was not to bother to get up very early and cook everyone's wretched breakfast. The tookishness was wearing off, and he was not he was not now quite so ch- sure oh my God that he, he was going uh, on any journey in the morning. As he lay in bed, he could hear Thorin still humming to himself in the bedroom next to him. Far over the... Shall I sing this part again? Far over the misty mountains cold To dungeons deep Actually, it goes... Now imagine that, but, you know, deeper and probably more tone accurate. Do you want to say something to the people? Do you want to lay on my book? Insightful knowledge in the mind of a cat. Okay. Bilbo went to sleep with that in his ears, and it gave him a very uncomfortable gave him very uncomfortable dreams. It was long after the break of dawn when he woke up. And that's the end of chapter one. You know, usually I... Where's my... Usually I would like to do um, more than one chapter in an episode when I'm doing a book. Some I try and do um, whole years if I'm doing, like, all the young dudes or... um, whole books like I'm trying to do with Inkheart. I'm sorry, Bink Bart. <laughs> um but with this I think I'm gonna go chapter by chapter, but then we when we get into Lord of the Rings, if I ever decide to actually finish any of the projects that I am currently working on. Um that might be a little bit different. We also have to gauge how long the chapters are. Uh but yeah. So uh, from reading this first chapter, and if you've ever uh, watched the movie, um, you can tell that this chapter is very much very different. Uh, in the movies, The Hobbit, there and back again, A Hobbit's Tale by Bilbo Baggins, is told from the perspective of Bilbo Baggins. He is telling this to his great-nephew, um, Frodo Baggins, who is our protagonist in Lord of the Rings, actually, um, but in the book, it seems to be told from a omnipotent third-person point of view, who is recounting the story from a objective point of view. I'm gonna assume this is gonna be J.R.R. Tolkien's point of view, but, you know, I'm just kind of talking out my ass. I, <laughs> I don't know. But this is for, I already said who this is for, um, but yeah, this is one of the series, like the movie series I enjoyed watching when I was younger, 
uh, I still enjoy watching. I love watching Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Uh, it it brings a great sense of relief or just pure happiness, I guess. Just like the Harry Potter films that were based on source material that were was written by my cat Luna and actually Luna Lovegood. But... <laughs> um. Yeah, this is going to be a really enjoyable little series I'm doing, maybe, if I ever decide to actually finish the book. See, the book is not very long. I just, I just read really slow. I, 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 I can't tell you why I read really slow, but, you know, I do. Um, let's see if my cat Luna has any, uh, final words she would like to impart. I don't think she does. Um, I don't know. Was she purring? She's a lovely little girl. Aren't you, Bubba? Hmm? I think with that, I'm going to end the episode here. I know I've been wanting to, I've been like kind of saying that uh for probably 10 not 10 minutes probably like five minutes or so but yeah anyways uh once again if you've made it through <laughs> the end of this episode <laughs> thank you so much for listening to uh, our podcast i <laughs> actually can i take a moment here uh i don't care what you say i'm gonna take a moment here i know i have not see like i've not um posted anything about my all the young dudes like all the young dudes year two but oh my god you guys on the all the young dudes year one episode is got um 1300 plays on there good lord oh my god (laughs) That's a six-hour, uh, six-hour episode. How many? How many of you actually like listen to it all the way through instead of just like listening to the first fi- first five minutes of it? You know, I'll listen to that later and then just uh, forgetting about it. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm 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 so sorry. Sorry, I have to vacuum. Um, but uh, uh, thank you <laughs> so much for your support. Um, I, I, I've only seen one comment on there because I had enabled um, comments on Spotify. I don't know how many of you use Spotify. I understand if you don't use Spotify and you're using like Google Podcasts. Hello, everybody on the podcast. Um, but leave us messages. <laughs> about the things you want us to talk about or things you enjoyed about each episode and um just generally just uh, 
ask us questions or ask us to cover something. So then we can kind of, I don't want to say cater our um, episodes towards what you guys want, but it, it more of it's something you guys would be more interested in, in listening to our take on. Um, because... <laughs> Wow, we! I got I, I'm full of opinions, um. But you know it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you can and if you want and if you're still listening, uh, go ahead and go on to Spotify. I will try and enable the Q and A section. I'm pretty sure I can. So go on spotify go on to um our podcast uh i'm loading it up so then i can tell you exactly what it looks like also uh i already forgot what i was gonna say because i'm trying to find it how many of you enjoy eddie munson um just leave like a little rocky rock rocker emoji. K dogs, K dudes. Um, so with all the young dudes, yeah. So on uh, all the uh young dudes, uh, there is a thing where it says Q&A you get a little uh, ASMR bit here while I'm looking this up I'm sorry for the sniffling by the way too but if you go there and it should say Q&A section there should be like oh okay i'm gonna unpin you so i have two people who said i love it and would like to hear the next year that was a month ago and then i have one for two months ago but yeah you can have put your questions and stuff you want in there i'm so sorry i'm repeating myself and i sound like i'm kind of sputtering because like i really don't know what to do but like you know i i But, uh, yeah. Anyways. Um. Thank you. <laughs> again, for listening. Um. I really, really hope you enjoy this little series I am doing. Because, uh, it, it helps me with my, um, reading out loud and everything. Um, I also forgot to mention you can add send us little voice messages so that we can listen to what you want uh, listen to you ask us something or whatever or just messages um if we get enough or if we get one maybe we can play each episode just to uh, know or listen to it i guess i don't know (laughs) but uh yeah anyways thank you so much for listening remember to be kind and thoughtful and fruity to everyone 
Um, I added that last bit in. Anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you. Love you. Um, don't die. That's something I say to all my friends. And um, enjoy your day, night, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Enjoy your time. Um, and please come and listen to us again next time we decide to do an episode (laughs) anyways that's all i have for you guys for right now and um that's it oh i meant to press a button oh my god i completely oh my god i i I completely forgot to add this and i wanted to add this because I, i i wanted to talk about it um so in the audio that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, he goes, the Shire is burning. So Mordor it is. He says at the beginning, I think, um, you want me to go into Mordor. The Shire is burning. So Mordor it is. So this context, and I love, I I think the quote, I, I like the quote. I like hearing like the things I love <laughs> in like culture i think everyone does um but this quote specifically is because um of (laughs) frodo's motivations or one of his motivations to actually go into mordor so originally um frodo he kind of forces himself at least that's what is in the movie because let me preface this i've only seen the lord of the rings movies and i have not read the books so in the movie it is seen that frodo kind of just it doesn't look like he wants to go and throw the ring into mordor he um he kind of forces himself to take on this role of the ring bearer because he brought the ring to Lord Elrond and to Rivendale and so now he needs to go and dispose of said ring. Later on they get into I can't remember where but he they meet the Wood Elves. Valley of the Kings into the Wood Elves. Um so oh no 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 that's the other way around it goes what else in the valley can anyways that doesn't matter um frodo meets the lady galendriel uh during night at night and he is looking into this bowl of water and the water is so still it reflects the surface and he can see what is happening what happens if Sauron gets the ring and he sees his whole livelihood his loves and his home and everything and everything that he knows and feels comfortable with it's it's burning his shire is burning um and Lady Galendriel comes and you know talks to him and whatever none of that's kind of pertinent so he go he realizes i don't want the shire to burn so therefore i'm gonna go to mordor and dispose of the one ring and i think um this 
the quote Eddie uses. And again, I've only seen the Hobbit movies. I've only seen the Lord of the Ring movies. So I'm not as, um, well, I'm, I'm not uh, as knowledgeable as some other fans or other people who have read the books and stuff. And I have not seen the uh, Stranger Things. I've not seen Stranger Things. The Stranger Things. I've not seen Stranger Things since season one. So all the pre-cuts and weird things that the Duffler brothers are doing now. I am uh I lost my train of thought. Anyways. Um the quote I think and tell me in the comments like I've kind of been mentioning I um that we have comments. Um but tell me if I'm wrong, if you've seen Stranger Things or not. Um, but this leads me to believe that Eddie has already seen the Shire burn. He has already seen this prophesied Shire burning. And he doesn't want that to happen. So he's trying to do things all in his... Uh, he's trying to prevent that from happening. But it does happen regardless of whatever he tried to stop. So that's when he goes, you want to send me into Mordor? And then I guess at the scene, he thinks about it for a moment and he goes, the Shire is burning. He realizes his, all his well-known, uh, all of his home is kind of being destroyed or dismantled or in this metaphorical case, burning in front of him. And he realizes the only way to stop it is to go and destroy the ring or go into Mordor to start the steps of destroying this thing. And obviously, in this case, Mordor is the upside down and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, I just wanted to geek on that just a little bit. And I kind of want to explain why I'm doing this, <laughs> why I'm deciding to do this uh episode and uh, a mini series on the Tolkien books um was because of that quote and because I love Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and everything and uh, they, <laughs> yep that's all <laughs>